Welcome to Holy Cow. This is your host, Nurse Dawn. This episode of Holy Cow is about COVID-19, being a nurse in the age of COVID, putting this disease in perspective, wearing a mask, and kids going back to school. If you've been listening to this podcast and like what you hear, please follow us, give us a good rating, and be sure to share this podcast with your friends on your favorite social media platform. I'm doing the show today as Nurse Dawn. Technically, I'm Nurse Dawn every day, but you know what? Originally, I was intending on doing a show or podcast or YouTube channel, you know, as as Nurse Dawn, and it was to be about all the health issues that I see people getting themselves sick with, and then they end up in my ICU. In case I hadn't mentioned before, I'm an ICU nurse. I wanted to call it Kicking It With Death. I wanted to call it kicking it with death because, well, let me tell you this story. The very first day that I went to work on my ICU unit as a nurse, I hadn't even clocked in yet. I was just setting my stuff down and the alarm for Code Blue went off. That means somebody is having an arrest, right? They're starting life-saving measures and someone says to me, hey, let's go. So I'm headed over to this room, I put on some gloves, I got in line, and I start doing chest compressions, right? Boom, boom, boom. It's my very first day on the job, and I'm doing advanced cardiac life support on this individual for 30, maybe 40 to 45 minutes. And unfortunately, this patient did not make it. That, unfortunately, happens. It's not foolproof. It's not like what you see on TV. As a matter of fact, CPR is a brutish and violent thing to watch if you actually see it in person and also as it turns out this patient was assigned to me and the nurse that was training me that day in my mind I'm like holy shit it's my first day on the job as a nurse and I got to meet death and I did not recognize death right away but since I've become a nurse and I work in an ICU. I've noticed the angel of death is always there. And if anybody asks me, I will tell them that what the angel of death looks like is, well, frankly, (laughs) he's cool as fuck. I mean, laid back. Picture in your mind, James Dean, leaning against the wall with his collar turned up. Maybe he's smoking for all I know. But he's always there, and he'll nod at you when you walk into work that morning. Here's the deal. He is patient. He is not in a hurry. But some days, he might be standing outside a room looking like, today's the day. Some days he says, I can wait. I go to work with death. And frankly, it has changed my perspective. Hopefully, I can change your perspective regarding this new disease. Today, we're going to talk about COVID-19. My goal is to try and Put this pandemic into perspective. A lot of people are scared of this disease, and that's okay. Be scared. It's a scary disease. We don't know a whole lot about it yet. But we'll get there. First off, right, when I I say put this thing into perspective, right, I want so that you understand that for the most part, it is not as bad as what the media is making it out to be. For example, most media that I see will tell you that there's been 170,000 deaths in the U.S. Or they'll list 
the total of how many positive cases have been reported. Right, almost five and a half million. That sounds like big numbers all by themselves. But if you don't look at the whole story, you know, the big picture as it is, then I feel what happens is that you end up making judgment calls about your risk or your personal level of risk without seeing the bigger picture. Right? So, to put this in perspective, I'm going to use that word perspective all the time, all right? If you go on the internets, use your best Google foo, and search for the coronavirus dashboard, you look on there and you'll see that in the United States, the current cumulative deaths at the time I'm recording this is up to 170,000. I'm going to round some numbers for simplicity. Oh, and please get out your calculators and follow along. Right now, that's basically mid-March to mid-August, five months. Okay? It has taken five months to get that number, 170,000 deaths. Now, divide that number by those five months, and you wind up with 34,000 deaths per month. And again, please, go check these numbers for yourself. Okay? Then you go to the CDC website, and you look up mortality rate. The CDC lists the mortality rate for the most recent year of record as 2018, but that'll get us an idea of what we should be expecting. That is how many people die each year from all causes for 2018. The rate is 8.7 deaths per thousand people. That's the mortality rate. Okay? Now, if you go to census.gov, you can find the current number of persons in the U.S. I'm going to round this number here. The U.S. currently has 330 million people. We're going to take that 330 million people. Multiply that times 8.7 per 1,000, and what you end up with is 2,871,000 deaths per year. That's how many people die in the U.S. per year. That means that we can expect about 2.9 million deaths from all causes this year. Don't put your calculator away. We're not done yet. Take that number of expected deaths per year and divide by 12. This gets us to 239,250 deaths per month. So what I'm starting to see is this, that the total U.S. death toll from COVID-19 in five months hasn't even passed the expected monthly deaths from all causes figure that we just calculated. And here's the perspective. We calculated an average of 34,000 deaths per month. And since the beginning of the pandemic attributed to COVID-19, and we can expect 239,000 deaths per month from all causes, what that gives us is about 14% of the deaths that we can expect every month is right now coming from COVID-19. Just 14%. If this thing was doubling the expected monthly death rate, I could see worrying, but it's not. It's just a fraction of what we expect to happen every month. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm sorry if it has taken grandma or grandpa, your mom, your dad, your brother. The cold, hard truth is simply this. For a large percentage of the persons 
this disease has affected, there was a high probability that they were going to pass away soon from one of the other major causes of death. We won't know how many additional deaths over the expected yearly mortality until time has passed. We already know that there's unforeseen deaths from people not going to the hospital because they were so afraid of COVID that they had a heart attack at home. I would also point out that at least for a short period of time, there must have been less vehicle fatalities to people staying at home. One of the most important things that I hope comes out of the other side of this pandemic is for all people to take their personal health more seriously. That they recognize nearly every major chronic health condition that contributed to the death toll of this disease was something they could prevent. Doctors have been calling out an obesity crisis in Western nations for decades. Obesity, insulin resistance, and type 2 diabetes and heart failure are the top three chronic conditions that seriously reduce your chances of recovering from COVID. And guess fucking what, people? These diseases don't have cures. They have treatments. Oh yeah, they'll sell you treatments. But the only surefire thing is prevention. And the only person that can make that happen is you. Diet and exercise. That's it. No excuses. If you went through the public education system in the last 60 years, you have been taught food guidelines and physical education. The number of people in America that can use the excuse, I didn't know overeating junk food and not exercising wasn't good for me and would eventually kill me, is effectively zero. So let's all say our new prayer. Everyone with me. Dear God, give me the willpower to resist the temptation of carbs and grant me the motivation to elevate my heart rate, breathe hard, and break a sweat for 30 to 60 minutes a day, three to four times a week. Amen. When this pandemic first started, it was understandable to shut down, change the way we did business. Because we didn't have enough information. Now we have started to accumulate data. This is going to let us make decisions based on the facts. You know, we can assess the risks so that we can start to get back to normal. Because frankly, this disease is most likely going to be with us for a long, long time. It is not likely that a vaccine is going to be readily available for possibly another 12 months or longer. And even then, there's a chance that they either cannot produce an effective vaccine or that they produce a vaccine and the virus will change and we'll have to continuously change the vaccine similar to how we handle the flu vaccine, right? New one every year, every season. One of the things that I think it's important to remember is that as a species, humans have been fighting viruses and bacteria and plagues and pandemics for as long as we've been on this planet. Right. That means that we might have to deal with it like we had to deal with plagues and pandemics before the invention of modern medicine. It just so happens that we have all been given an immune system, and that system, generally speaking, has a means of protecting us against viruses, even brand new ones. For the most part, it appears that this particular virus and the disease that it causes 
disproportionately affects those that are older and have underlying health conditions. Therefore, it makes sense to allow those who are young and in good health to resume business as usual. Yes, they might contract this virus. That's kind of the freaking point. Because when they've defeated it and their immune systems remember it, and they will be better prepared against it the next time it comes around, this will allow the population of young and healthy persons to build herd immunity. That's what's going to prevent, protect the older people and everybody else. So here's sort of the point. There are enough persons out there running around screaming at people to put their masks on and all sorts of other hysterical shit. Most of it is ridiculous. Hey, I wear a mask when I'm out in public, not because I think they are that effective, but for the same reason I don't have any bumper stickers on my damn car. I don't feel the urge to stick out, call attention to myself, or have public confrontations with people. Remember, I'm an ICU nurse. You should see the looks I get when I have to answer screening questions. I had a dental appointment the other day. They asked, Have you been in contact with someone known to be positive with COVID-19? Yes. Then I get a weird look. You know, the one where they lean away from you like you just farted. Then I follow up with, I'm a nurse. Do I not get to have preventative tooth care because of my profession? Helping people with this disease? At the end of the day, I don't like wearing a mask. I certainly think that governmental mandates should always be used sparingly and only within the confines of the law. But if it makes people feel more comfortable, then wear the damn mask. Unless and until a vaccine is available, every person on the planet will at some point get a chance to test their immune system against this virus. It has always just been a matter of time. A serious misconception that occurred early during the coverage of this pandemic was news personalities going on and on about flattening the curve. The problem with this terminology and the charts that people were being shown is that if one didn't have a little bit of calculus under their belt, they would think that it meant less people would catch the virus or that less people would die. The idea initially, during the earliest, newest phase of the pandemic, was to hopefully not overwhelm the hospital systems. Some places did not have the available capacity to handle a large influx of super sick people above the average that they expected. The fact is that the same number of people were always expected to eventually catch the virus and either recover or succumb to it. The difference being at a rate slow enough that hospital systems can manage. That's the part where I get to tell you my personal experiences. My hospital normally has 24 ICU beds. We had to expand our ICU capacity by an additional 10 beds, making rooms outside of the ICU equipped to handle ICU level care. And and it makes it hard, that's for sure. These rooms aren't set up for ICU patients. One section, you know, a post-surgical unit was designated for non-ICU level COVID patients, you know, and it was blocked off with a temporary wall and a door, right? Our hospital had to redirect personnel from their usual roles, you know, to assist. Now, here's the honest part. 
Some of these patients with COVID-19 are sick. They are sick bad. I'm not going to sugarcoat it in any way. If this thing gets you in the worst way, it's ugly. It's not a pretty thing to see. Okay? These patients required crazy, ridiculous amounts of medications, running in IVs, and then turning them over and turning them back. And normally a nurse can manage two patients. But some of these patients really were so much work that it should have been one nurse for every patient. But we didn't have that many. And sometimes, with staff getting sick also, nurses had to manage three patients. There were some days there where it got pretty fucking hairball. And that's the best way to describe it. And as a nurse, it got to be exhausting. You know, I don't like wearing a mask. Wear one all day and see how you like it. And while sweating it out in a plastic gown with a pair of goggles fogging up all the damn time. See how you like that shit. Then come scream at me to put a mask on while I'm trying not to collapse from fucking exhaustion shopping at the fucking grocery store, Karen. Anyway, one of the funniest things I think I've seen most recently is the news coverage of the Sturgis, South Dakota motorcycle rally. The news personalities from various news outlets going on and on about how this is probably going to be a super spreader event. Look at these people. They're refusing to socially distance and refusing to wear masks. Found the whole idea that this was newsworthy. Ridiculous. Because this is a group of people who will go out riding a motorcycle and that if you tell them they had to wear a helmet for their safety would tell you to fuck off. You think you're going to convince them to socially distance and wear a mask? (laughs) Now, we are just now in the back-to-school season and it's something else. We will have to see which of the strategies the different school districts have chosen will win out. My view is simply this. That the data that shows the death rates by age is effectively nothing for children. Does that mean that there are not children who are susceptible? Of course! You have to make provisions for children with compromised immune systems and other conditions that put them at risk. I mean, duh! I feel like the talking heads of national news media run around squawking, they want to send children to their deaths! Are you fucking kidding me? Can't people make reasonable safety decisions on their own anymore? It must be the socialist agenda that's slipping into everything these days. Everybody has to do the same thing. We can't be relied upon to make good decisions. We'll all just have to do what we're told. The next part of the don't go back concerns the teachers. The teachers are sometimes in the at-risk age range and have conditions that put them at risk. Do you want the teachers to die? Hold on. Hold on. Before I answer that, I want to point out that I willingly, even before knowing what the full dangers could be, went into the rooms of patients already known to have this contagious disease. So to answer the question, Do you want the teachers to die? Well, no. I don't want the teachers to die. 
but I certainly think it would be a great time to overhaul our fucking public education system and get rid of all the socialist and communist teachers polluting our youth and replace them with young, healthy, patriotic, God-loving Americans that can think for themselves and evaluate their own level of risk when deciding to go to work. Big picture here. There's a lot of blame being thrown around concerning this virus. As much as I love political blame games, conspiracy theories, and being told what to do by idiots who have convinced themselves that they must be intelligent because someone put them on TV, (coughs) Chris Cuomo, (coughs) the reality is that disease is a part of nature. I believe sometimes people forget that just because we live in houses, in big cities, they forget that we are still a part of nature. People get so used to having a solution to medical problems these days, they ask, isn't there a pill for that? Doc, just give me a pill. People forget that it takes time to develop treatments, and we will have better treatments for COVID-19 as we go forward. People forget that not every disease has a cure. I think sometimes people who are healthy forget just how precarious life is. Life is brutish, nasty, and short. That's not mine. It's Hobbes, I believe. What makes life precious is that it is not for certain. In these uncertain times, thank God for the health you have, but do everything you can do for yourself to keep it. This is Holy Cow with Nurse Dawn. And if you like what you hear, be sure to follow Holy Cow on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to share with your friends on your favorite social media.